It's like that on again, off again girlfriend in college, right? Like you want to believe there's something there, but there's no trust, right? It's not a relationship that you could count on. And I feel like that's my relationship with Denver and especially Denver's offense. Like I just can't trust them. I have to see it first. You have to prove it to me before I can start trusting that you're going to win games by actual points. Like you're going to score points and win games by actual, like you're going to win by four. I have to see it first. So I think that makes me just naturally lean Raiders on the spread. Hey there, Broncos country, Ryan O'Leary here, and welcome to our kickoff episode for season four of the Broncos Wire podcast. I'm joined on this show each week by my good friend, John Heath of the USA Today Network. John, you ready to rock or what? Yes, sir, I am. I'm excited now that the 53 is set and the 17-man practice squad is set. It finally feels like now it's football season. Yeah, now it's football season and the final 53 is set, John. And I think one of the biggest storylines for the Broncos. And of course, we'll be getting into this matchup with uh, the Raiders at length here coming up later on in the show. We'll have predictions and all that. But I think one topic we have to cover uh, early on here, John, is just the receivers. Uh, There's only four of them on the active roster. That's Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Marvin Mims and Brandon Johnson. So slim, I would say. I, I think a lot of teams... Usually their their problem, John, is like, how many receivers do we keep? We have all these receivers. Do we keep six? Do we keep seven? How many guys give us, you know, run on special teams, whatever? The Broncos have the opposite problem where they don't seem to have enough, right? And, you know, some of that is due to injuries. Uh, you know, KJ Hambler and Tim Patrick among them. But only four wide receivers on the active roster as we speak. What's your take on that? Yeah, just like you said, it's it looks very slim, and you said partially to injuries. I, I think it's mainly to injuries. Like you said, K.J. Hamler, he right. had that health condition. They cut him. They said once he recovers, they might bring him back, but as of now, like, they gave away his jersey number, so if he does come back, he's going to need a new number. And then Tim Patrick's out for the year with a torn ACL. And even Jalen Virgil, he's the guy who made the 53 over Brandon Johnson last year. And I expect him to make the 53 this year. And then he tore, uh, I believe he tore his Achilles. It was his Achilles or ACL. I may be mixing up with Tim Patrick. But those those three guys, plus these four guys, that would have been seven receivers. And then you're getting into, you know, the tough. Do we keep six? Do we keep seven? But Sean Payton kind of said after they set the roster, he was like, uh, I don't go into it saying I want to have X at this position and X at that position. I want to have the best players you know, on the team of the 90 players available. So he's like, he didn't literally say this, but an example was like, if you have six, seven really good safeties that would be claimed off waivers if you try to put on the practice squad, but only four good receivers, you don't cut a safety and keep a fifth receiver because the safety's good. He deserves a spot on the roster. So they're going into week one, very thin at receiver. I'm in my opinion, very thin. And I think it says a couple of things. One, Peyton's roster construction like that. And two, I think Peyton wants to pound the rock this year. We, we've kind of talked about it this offseason. They signed a fullback. They signed a blocking tight end. He traded for a blocking tight end. He made two big splashes on the offensive line. And I think and, – and they also signed a running back in P. Ryan when they already had Javante Williams. And they gave P. Ryan real running back money, especially for a backup. So I think Peyton wants to run the ball a lot. And a lot of times there may only be two receivers on the field – and I, my brother was asking me about this, like, why why only four receivers? And I was trying to talk it through like this. And I was like, I think we should also remember that Greg Dulcich is a very good receiving tight end. And there are times where he will basically be the third receiver or maybe even the second receiver. Like, 
not to say he's Jimmy Graham. He's not Jimmy Graham. But if you think back to when the Saints had a receiving tight end like that, there was like Jimmy. I remember when Jimmy Graham was mad when they put a tight end franchise tag on him because the stats showed that he was like a slot receiver, however many snaps. And he was like, I'm I'm just a receiver who's listed. I think Greg Dulcich could kind of be that kind of guy. So if you count him, that kind of gives them a fifth receiver. So they are thin. But I think they're going to run the ball a lot. And they also, every week, you can elevate two guys from the practice squad. And they've got three receivers on the practice squad right now. Little Jordan Humphrey, a former Saint who played with him in New Orleans. Philip Dorsett, a veteran who's been around. And then David Sills, who did a little bit with the Giants the last few years. So I bet in week one, at least one of those guys is going to be elevated. Maybe two of those guys will be elevated and really, like the wild card for week one is Jerry Judy going to be able to play or not? Because he's been battling with a hamstring injury. And I would guess that he's iffy to play in week one. And I know, Ryan, you love his tweets after he was <laughs> carted off the practice field and everybody was freaking out and like saying he's going to be out for a couple of weeks and like his status for week one is iffy, or, like in doubt even. He tweeted something. It was like laughing, crying emoji or something, which to me, I was like, is he saying you guys don't know what you're talking about? It's not that serious. I'm going to be able to play in week one. Or is it totally unrelated to, you know, what was going on? And Jerry Judy just happened to tweet. Yeah, that it was something that about time. life, not football. Of course, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly. Exactly. So I don't know how much we want to read into that. Maybe he will be available. But if he's not, that's only three guys on the active roster. That's thin even for a running team. But like I said, they can elevate practice squad guys every week. Greg Dulcich is going to be there. So it's thin numbers wise, but talent wise, I think it's okay. I, I don't know if in the first few weeks of the season, like if a safety or someone where they're really deep gets hurt and they like put them on short-term IR for four games or something, if maybe then they'll add a fifth receiver to the active roster and Peyton is just sticking to, you know, I want the best players, not numbers. And, you know, as injuries come up and stuff, we'll add a fifth receiver when there's more room. But I think it primarily came down to he wasn't going to cut someone else at a different position that he really liked and thought deserved a spot on the 53. Uh, Sorry, that was super long-winded, Ryan, but that's my take on the four receivers. No, that was informative, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, because it is it is questionable. I mean, David Sills is an interesting example where he was a, a just a numbers casualty on the Giants. I think the Giants liked David Sills, John. They just had so many receivers that they had to cut good players, and David Sills ended up signing with the Broncos, right? It's just one of those kind of situations. So will Humphrey or Dorsett or one of these guys gets you know get brought up and, and help the team in week one? We'll see. Is Jerry Judy trolling us and he's going to be fine? Maybe, or, or maybe his cry, crying emoji was that his hamstring hurt so bad, you know, like who knows, right? Uh, but I think, you know, the wide receiver thing is, you know, it deserves a long answer, John, because it's like, it's unorthodox, the position the Broncos find themselves in uh, entering the season. And again, thank God they drafted Marvin Mims, which I don't think, yeah, I don't I think, think wide receiver was high on our list going into the drafts than on a lot of people's sure. list. And uh, yeah, and they drafted Marvin Mims. We're like, hmm. That's an interesting pick. Thank God they drafted Marvin Mims. Uh, so we'll see how that works as uh, Russell Wilson tries to bounce back this season with basically no receivers. Uh, but another uh, story coming out of training camp, though, John, and I think it fits into this conversation about the 53-man roster, is the training camp darling, the star, right? There's always one. Uh, it's usually an undrafted rookie, and this year it's Jaleel McLaughlin, and he made the team. 
And it seems like he could have a real role, right? Sean Payton's even talking this kid up, John. And as I speak, I ha- this kid is available in my dynasty league. We have this these deep rosters where really the waivers are obsolete. You can't pick up guys who are going to help you. The only thing you can do in this league is pick up guys that could help you down the road and stash them. That, those are the only that's the only help you get. You you can't plug and play anyone off waivers in this league. But McLaughlin's actually available. Uh, should I go pick him up? Because there's some hype around this kid. Yeah, in a redraft, I'm not going to be drafting him. But in a deep league like you're describing there, I think it's worth taking a flyer on him. Because like you said, Sean Payton has hyped him up so much. Uh, he talked about like their old Joker role where like Reggie Bush and Darren Sproles uh, and Alvin Kamara. And, and he talked about McLaughlin, not saying that he's those guys, but saying that he can be a kind of player to play that kind of role. And I was like, if he has a receiving role, like Reggie Bush and Darren Sproles and Alvin Kamara, like in a PPR league, that that could be relevant. And, and maybe not this season because P. Ryan will probably be their most relevant PPR running back for fantasy. But yeah, for down the road, like uh, he's probably going to, if, if he becomes a player that Broncos fans think he can, he's going to last longer in Denver than P. Ryan does. And, like, you never know what's going to happen with Javante Williams. Hopefully he stays healthy and they and they love him and they give him an extension. But, you know, if Javante Williams isn't here in a couple of years, not that McLaughlin would be a starter, but just, yeah, for projecting down the road in the deep dynasty league, I, I would pick him up. All right, well, the waiver, I just made the ad on my phone. So that that's my, my waiver claim is has been put in, and I think I'll get him because if somebody wanted him, they would have picked him up by now. It's the offseason. Uh, but that's interesting. So that Joker role, didn't Peyton talk about Dulcich in that role too he earlier did. in the year? He, he definitely did. And when he did that, I was like, uh, it kind of sounds – but he specifically said, he said, it's not a wide receiver for us. It's either a tight end or a running back. And I was like, okay, so I guess in in like certain passing situations, I guess McLaughlin and Dulcich could – you know, kind of be competing with each other for to be, I don't know if it's like a, a slot position or like coming in motion behind the line. I don't know. I guess we're going to find out, but just him saying that made me think that they think of him as like a receiving back. And it makes sense because he's very small. He's five, seven, 187 pounds, but he's also very fast. And he played at a relatively low level in college. He played D two and then he went to F cs which is division one but it's not the bowl division it's the one that north dakota state like always wins um so at at playing at that level he had like eight thousand rushing yards in college which is the ncaa's all-time record it's not like it's not like he was at alabama like in in a division one his whole college career but even still that's impressive production especially for such a small guy and he can run between the tackles like it i wouldn't I don't think they should like pound the rock with him right up the middle run between the tackles. Every time he gets a ball, I think it's better to get him out in space and, you know, give him like screens and things like that and get him an opportunity to run outside the tackles, but he can do it. It's not like he's a one trick pony. So I think that adds value to him. And I think that uh, like sometimes I hesitate to make comparisons. He's not Philip Lindsay, but I think he's like Philip Lindsay as far as becoming a fan favorite in part because he's this, small young undrafted running back that a lot of people counted out and then he ends up making the team and he just says all the right things like philip Lindsay was the exact same way of saying all the right things like completely team first like i'll do whatever the team wants me to do like and, and like first in the building last out of the building like out on the hill like running up and down the hill doing his own conditioning before practice even starts like early in the morning like stuff like that like 
fans loved Philip Lindsay for being like the perfect team guy, the underdog kind of guy. Like McLaughlin is the new Lindsay, and like the, not to you know dunk on Lindsay. Like we all love Lindsay, but like Broncos fans are hoping that he's going to be the next level Lindsay, like somebody that will stick around for more than two seasons and will be a long term guy for him. So yeah, and and your dynasty league definitely keep an eye on him. Yeah, I just scooped him up. I think Broncos fans are, are probably laughing and being like, O'Leary, I already picked this kid up a long time ago. Uh, so Broncos <laughs> fans was... probably have already scooped this guy up. But for me, I'm like, yeah. oh, this McLaughlin sounds like a guy. So I, I was just saying in the one dynasty league that I'm in with a bunch of Broncos fans, he was even drafted. And okay. I, I knew that was going to happen because in this Broncos league, like there's no Bronco player that does not go wrong <laughs> yeah undrafted rookies don't always get uh get snared in those rookie drafts but so that's next level i like that that's good stuff um hey you mentioned darren sproles if he's anything like that player i mean uh that could be fun because i remember back in the day it wasn't only only in fantasy just you know on sundays oh, loved yeah, watching darren sproles so exciting, oh, yeah. oh god what a player uh so big things for jaleel mclaughlin we hope but as john said we're gonna need our running backs because i think the plan with McLaughlin, Williams, Pirine is to help Russell Wilson by pounding the run, right? And we'll talk about that more as we get into this ball game against the Raiders. Uh, another name we wanted to highlight is Jonathan Cooper. Not necessarily a surprise that he made the cut because he he's made the cut in past years, but it sounds like his role is increasing. So that's that's what makes Cooper a little bit more notable. Yeah, he started in preseason over Frank Clark, and I thought that was really interesting because they brought in sure. Frank Clark yeah. when Baron Browning uh, suffered his knee injury, and now Browning's on the reserve pub list, so he's out. He's at least out for the first four games of the season. So I was just assuming, okay, Frank Clark's going to sa- start on one side, Randy Gregory's going to start on the other side, but in this summer, Cooper was starting across from Randy Gregory, and I think. He really impressed uh, coaches this summer. He's a former seventh-round pick, but over the last two seasons, because of various injuries to Chubb and Gregory and other players, he has started 14 games over the last two years. So it's not like he's completely come out of nowhere, but I didn't expect him to be a week one starter for them over someone like Frank Clark. And now, after seeing him start in preseason, after seeing his training camp performances, I would not be surprised at all if Cooper and Gregory are their outside linebackers for the first snap against the Raiders. And I think that's just a cool thing for Cooper. I don't think it's like alarming for Clark. I think at this point in his career, Clark's best suit is as a rotational pass rusher. I just think it's cool for Cooper that he's stepped up now and, you know, they can count on him that, you know, when someone like Baron Browning is down, Cooper is capable of stepping up and starting in his place. We did want to hit on a couple of trades the Broncos made, John, uh, including Albert O., he was kind of a fan favorite for a time, uh, but now he's no more. He got traded for along with a seventh round pick to the Eagles. They got a sixth round pick back. Uh, give us your take on that, John, here in a minute. But they also traded for Sean Payton's kicker, Will Lutz, right? So Sean Payton said enough of this. They let uh, Brandon McManus go. We covered that in the offseason. Uh, I was terrified about the Brett Mayer, right? The, the kid who could not make an extra point in that playoff game, the Cowboys game. We talked about that as well over the summer. I was terrified that he would win the job. I said, no, 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 it can't be him. Uh, and Sean Payton agreed, thankfully, uh, trading for Will Lutz and actually starting a trend because, uh, you know, as you know, I'm a Patriots fan and Bill Belichick saw that, got jealous and traded Nick Folk for a seventh round pick. Uh, so what do you think about those trades, John? Yeah, the first one, Alberto, like you said, there was times when he was 
you know, I don't know about a fan favorite, but I think everybody kind of had hope and optimism for him because we saw these stretches where he did really good things as a receiving tight end. We're like, okay, now he's going to emerge as this guy. And he just, he never got a consistent run of games under any of the coaches that they had. And I think it was largely because all of them got frustrated with this blocking. And like, even this in preseason, there was times when he would just whiff on blocks so bad in preseason games. And I knew that was not going to cut it for Peyton because he brought in out Troutman and he listed Troutman as a starter over Greg Dulcich on the depth chart. And like Dulcich is such a talent. The only reason Troutman is the quote starter over him is because he's a good blocker. And Dulcich, I don't think is a terrible blocker, but he's got to get better at it. And he specifically signed Chris Manhurts in preseason, and he's literally only a blocking tight end. Like, he has a couple catches in his career, but he's there to block. And even an undrafted rookie, Nate Atkins, who is a tight end slash fullback hybrid, like, you know that guy's on the roster to block. So I think Sean Payton, if you're not able to block as a tight end, it's just not going to cut it for Sean Payton. So I think Alberto, once it's going to make the team, and even after he, he had a huge game in the preseason finale, I think they were kind of trying to showcase him. He had over a thousand, not a thousand, that would have been a crazy game. He had over a hundred receiving yards and a touchdown catch in the preseason finale. So I think after that huge game, after seeing like another glimpse, like, okay, this is what he's capable of. I think then some Broncos fans were like, okay, maybe they'll find a spot for him on the team. But you know, reports came out on cut day that they were going to cut him. And then a couple hours after that, like right before the cut deadline, reports came out that instead they're trading him to the Eagles. And I guess, you know, they probably intentionally let it get out that they were planning to cut him, just kind of telling teams like, hey, we're about to cut this guy. He's going to hit the waiver wire. He'll probably be clean. Do you want him? Yeah, exactly. better come get him. And so the Eagles, you know, I think swapping a seventh round pick for a sixth round pick, you know, they've done that kind of thing before when you have a surplus at like a position. If they were going to cut him anyway, I think getting a six for a seventh is a good deal. So, you know, I, I wish him well. I think he could have a chance, you know, to kind of turn his career around with the Eagles if he stays healthy and if he improves a little bit of a blocker, like he he can be a weapon as a decent receiving tight end. So It'll be interesting to see how that goes for him for, in Philly. And then the other one that you mentioned, I think this is the bigger deal. Like we we're talking this offseason, like Brett Maher, he was the guy who had such a good regular season. No, 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 please just, no. Yeah, He melted down in the playoffs. And then Elliot Fry, this very young, unproven guy who's kicked in like three regular season games in his career. We're like, are we really going to have Maher or Fry be the week one kicker? And then they they cut Fry, I think, after the first preseason game. It was pretty early. And then a lot of people were jumping the gun. And, like, Brett Maher has won the kicking job for the Broncos. And I was like, ah, I don't think we can say that yet. And Sean Payton kept saying over and over and over, they even, well, like, when Fry was gone, that Maher was competing with the other kickers across the NFL who might become available. And, like, he reiterated that every single time he was asked about kicker. And I was like, he's bringing this up so much. Like, I really don't think he views Maher as like their week one guy. I I think he was just a placeholder fallback option who's capable and has played under Peyton in the past. And then the saints had, I guess this young kicker that they liked and will Lutz is coming off a little bit of a down year. So they wanted to go to the younger, cheaper kicker and, you know, the Broncos, they just upgraded a seventh to a six. So they're okay with sending a, a, another seventh to the saints for will Lutz. And, he had a little bit of a down year last year, but the Broncos, George Payton and Sean Payton, both pointed out that um, he had a core muscle surgery last season, and they think him coming back from that is why he had a down year. And and even with 
you know, not having quite as good of a year as he did previously, he still kicked a 60-yard field goal last season, which was a career long, and now he's going to play at a mile elevation in Denver. So I think he definitely has the leg. And up until last season, he had the accuracy. And if if the Broncos are right and, you know, that injury was the reason last – like, I think it was four for four on field goals this preseason. So if last season is kind of behind him and it's not a sign of things for, like, a downward trend in his career – I, I have no problem trading a seventh-round pick for a kicker that is proven and Peyton's confident in. And it just a little cherry on top on the end, you mentioned ultimately they're going from Brandon McManus to Lutz. By doing that, they save $2 million in cap space. Even after eating dead money for McManus and after uh, cutting Malher and trading for Lutz and acquiring you know part of Lutz's contract, at the end of the day, they have two million more than they would have if they've just stuck with Brandon McManus. So, there's that. Well, I'm a lot more confident with Lutz. I, I'm happy. I'm happy with this move. I like this one, and it, it is kind of interesting, John, that Lutz uh, lost out to an undrafted rookie. The Saints went with uh, I think his last name is Groupy. Um, uh, so, I, I was talking to John Sigler of the Saints Wire, and he said that he's a Groupy for Groupy. He's one of groupies, groupies. Uh, he, he, John likes him over there at Saints Wire. And uh, so Will Lutz lost a kicking battle to an undrafted rookie. But Will Lutz was once an undrafted rookie himself and made a name for himself. And he has been a solid kicker for a long time. I feel a lot better with him uh, than Brett Mayer. No, no offense, Brett. No offense at all. But I can't get that game out of my head. Um, and I think a lot of us are in the same boat there. So, so there you go. That kind of wraps up the final 53. How do you feel about it? Let us know. But in the meantime, we're going to get ready to talk Raiders, Broncos. The Broncos are big favorites in this game. Actually, probably bigger than you might think. If you don't know the spread, we'll tell you that. It makes some predictions coming up next. But first, let's get some fantasy advice from the huddle.com. Welcome to the 2023 NFL season. I'm Corey Benini of the huddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number one. Detroit Lions quarterback Jared Goff at Kansas City. The Chiefs appear to be without pass-rushing defensive tackle Chris Jones and his 15.5 sacks from 2022, while Goff is likely to be without his starting center. Casey's offense could be slowed if Travis Kelsey has to sit, but there's still a chance this becomes a shootout. Be careful, though, since Goff was much better at home than on the road a year ago. Consider him a low-end QB1 in the season opener. Washington Commanders running back Brian Robinson Jr. versus the Arizona Cardinals. Returning as the unquestioned starter on early downs, Robinson should be in for a treat in a favorable matchup to open the season. His usage at the goal line gives him touchdown upside, and Washington should lean heavily on the run with quarterback Sam Howell taking over. We should see a small receiving uptick for Robinson, but he should do enough on the ground as a fringe RB2 option against a defense that allowed 22 running back touchdowns a year ago and didn't clearly improve this offseason. Wide receiver Michael Thomas, New Orleans Saints at Tennessee Titans. If Thomas really is ready to return to any semblance of his past glory, it should come this week versus a Tennessee group that is among the top candidates to be the weakest pass defense in fantasy football. A year ago, this was the best matchup for PPR wide receivers, and New Orleans should test the secondary early and often. The Saints may have trouble running, which portends to more passing volume. Thomas's floor is a 10-point PPR projection, and he has borderline wide receiver one upside. Tight end David Njoku, Cleveland Browns versus Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati gave up serious numbers in terms of volume in 2022, but only three of 89 catches by the position were worth six points. With Deshaun Watson under center in the Week 14 meeting, he found Njoku seven times for 59 yards and a score. Since he has two new starting safeties in Daxon Hill and Nick Scott, both relatively inexperienced. For that alone, we like Njoku's chances of posting another robust fantasy line. For more award-winning fantasy football tips, news, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. 
All right, we're back. And uh, the spread has moved a little bit, John. I think the Broncos, uh, at last check, are, are three and a half point favorites over the Raiders. Um, I've seen this line at four. I've seen it at four and a half on some books earlier on uh, in, in this process. So uh, let's just say the Broncos are favored to beat the Raiders. It's a team that they haven't fared all that well against in recent years, right? Uh, but give me your leadoff take. Uh, Broncos, Raiders, the Raiders, they have a lot of changes. So do the Broncos, obviously starting with the head coach. The Raiders have a new quarterback and you know made some moves themselves. Uh, so what do you think? What, what team with big changes wins out uh, on Sunday in week one? I really don't want to be a homer, and I feel like a homer saying this, but I I really think the Broncos are the team to back, you know, with Sean Payton coming in, playing at home. And like I feel like a homer because the Broncos have lost six straight games against the Raiders. And, you know, based off last season, we have no reason, to, you know, to back them and, and to trust them. But I just feel like playing at home, you have the Sean Payton boost, you know, I think he has already kind of changed the mentality of this locker room and they want to prove something and it's their first game under him. And I think their style is going to be a little different. I think they're going to be a more ground and pound team. And, you know, we know they have a good defense and like Jimmy Garoppolo, not, not that Derek Carr is an amazing quarterback, but I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Carr. Like I, I would probably take, not probably, I would take Derek Carr over Jimmy Garoppolo. So I don't think the Raiders upgraded that quarterback. And we were just talking before we started recording the podcast. I remember last year how awful Garoppolo was against Denver's defense. He was bad. uh, When he was still with the 49ers, like the Broncos defense just shut him down. And the Broncos have a a lot of those guys. They don't have Draymond Jones coming back, but they added Zach Allen kind of a position for position replacement on the defensive line. So really the Broncos have a lot of the defense coming back. So I, I don't know. I, I picked the Broncos to win, whether I'm going to, you know, mess or like trust that they hit that spread i don't know but i think i would back them to win this game yeah the spread's tough yeah that game against the niners and jimmy garoppolo last year john wasn't that the game the broncos played horribly but won like Mm -hmm. they won it like 11 to 10 or something it's like the weird it was the weirdest score ever and they they beat the 49ers one of the best teams in the nfc they actually won uh and a lot of it was because of their defense and the fact that jimmy g was just awful awful uh so that's where I'm kind of at. That's where I start. Like, at least as a fan, John, what do you think about this? Like continuity, that's kind of on Denver's side, right? Like the Raiders are, they've kind of been a dumpster fire that they always are. Right. But they're especially recently, just a dumpster fire with coaches coming and going all this off field crap, people getting arrested and banned and suspended. It's just like very Raiders. Now they're breaking in this new quarterback. They've had, they've had Derek Carr since 2013. This is their first time without, with a new quarterback. So you'd think as a Broncos fan that Denver's better equipped to win week one, right? They're, they've got more continuity, especially starting with their defense and the state of their defense. I think that's one reason to feel optimistic. You agree with that? Oh, yeah, big time. And, and like Derek Carr played with Devontae Adams in college, and then he had all of last year with him. Like he had chemistry and like you said, continuity with Devontae Adams. And like it doesn't mean Devontae Adams suddenly isn't a good receiver. He He's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL still, but I feel like Derek Carr and Devontae Adams is worse for us than Jimmy G and Devontae Adams. And like Darren Waller was an extremely good tight end and they traded him to the Giants. And like Josh Jacobs is coming back and and he led the NFL in rushing last year and he has historically done well against the Broncos. But, you know, he held out for much of the offseason and he did report to them like two weeks before the season opener. So maybe that would be enough time for him to get totally back into the swing of things. But, you know, 
maybe they're going to have him on a snap count in week one. And maybe Jimmy G's, you know, doesn't have quite the connection with Adams that Carr had. So I, I agree. Like if there is an advantage, I do think the Broncos have it. And, you know, playing at home again, like I said, the, the, the thing is, it's just I come back to the Raiders have beat them six times in a row. Last year they beat them 22 to 16. That one was in overtime. And then they beat them 32 to 23. Um, that one was in Las Vegas. So on the road, the Broncos took them to, over, or excuse me, at home, the Broncos took them to overtime and then ended up losing in overtime. I think this year, kind of like I said, with the, like, with the Sean Payton spark, I think they're going to get it done this time. Yeah, I agree. I think if I was picking this game straight up, I agree with what you just said, and I would probably lean Broncos to win it straight up at home. Now, if I'm betting the spread, now, if the line's moving from four to three and a half, which I think we just we, we saw happen as we as we got ready for this segment, that means there's some money going to the Raiders side. And I think spread wise, like do I think do I trust the Broncos to win this game by four? I think that's where I start to lean more of on the Raiders side of things. I just think the Broncos right now, John, it's like it's like that on again, off again girlfriend in college, right? Like you wanna believe there's something there, but there's no trust, right? It's not a relationship that you could count on. And I feel like that's my relationship with Denver and especially Denver's offense. Like I just can't trust them. I have to see it first. You have to prove it to me before I can start trusting that you're going to win games by actual points. Like you're going to score points and win games by actual, like you're going to win by four. I have to see it first. So I think that makes me just naturally lean Raiders on the spread. Uh, but I do like the, I do like the Broncos here. I, I think they have a good shot at it. Uh, I think the bet I would actually make, though, if I was actually going to put my own money on this game, and I tend to do that, John, from time to time. What do you think about the under, right? So the over-under is 44. I feel like with Denver's defense going up up against Jimmy G, we already talked about that disaster last year that Jimmy G had. Uh, and with all the injuries Denver has right now at their wide receiver group, again, four guys on the active roster as we speak, uh, unless they go practice squad, and that's, not, and that's including Jerry Judy, who's banged up. So... The wide receivers are banged up. You would think that Denver is going to come out and pound the rock. Like you said earlier, they're going to run the ball. Well, the Raiders are probably going to want to do the same thing. Uh, that's kind of their, their strength, right? Was Josh Jacobs had a huge year last year, but Josh Jacobs held out like all off season, basically, right? He hasn't been around the team. They just finally signed him and got him signed and he just finally joined the team. But is he ready to go week one? Maybe. Is he ready to carry a full load? He might be, but I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe they maybe they hold him back a little bit. So this has the makings of like both teams are going to pound the rock at each other. The Raiders still have a good pass rush. Well, I don't love their defense. Like Max Crosby, he's damn good, right? They have this rookie now, Tyree Wilson. He's good. They can get after the quarterback. Doesn't make me feel great about a struggling Broncos offense that's trying to reinvent themselves. Oh, with no receivers, basically. So a lot of things are just pulling me towards the under. I'm not a betting expert by any means. It's, uh, I rely on the sportsbook wire for those kind of takes. That's why we have those segments, John. <laughs> but for me, it's like, I don't know. Gravity seems to be pulling me towards the under 44. I, I feel like this could be a low-scoring, ugly game, which, you know what? We've seen too much of uh, covering the Broncos and, and being Broncos fans, right? Uh, you, right? You've seen too many of these ugly, low-scoring, horrible games. But I kind of feel like this this might be one of those, right? It could be a very low-scoring game. I could definitely see the total going under 44. Yeah, you're kind of talking me into it. Like, I I think all your points are solid. And I feel like I'm listening to that. I'm like, yeah, that all makes sense. That all makes sense. But I just get – I would be nervous to 
predicted to be under 44 because, again, my bias coming out, I really think Sean Payton is going to help the Broncos offense and take them, like last year they were just dismal. So taking them to the next level would just make them competent. But even being competent, I think they're going to be able to score some points. And last year, like I said, the Broncos defense was pretty much the same. And the Raiders, the one game they scored 22 points against them, and the other game they third scored 32 points against the Broncos defense. And so I think this Raiders team, they are going to be able to score some points. And just, you know, being a homer, being someone that thinks Sean Payton is really going to help this Denver offense, I think they're going to be able to score some points as well, especially more than they could last season. So in my official prediction, I put down the Broncos winning 27 to 21. So if I stick to my official written prediction, that would be 48 points. So if I can't go back on my 48 point prediction. Nor but should you. Listen. Listening to you say that, I think you make a strong, uh, <laughs> compelling case for it. Well, forty-four is a low number, John. But again, you you can't let me talk you into bad decisions, which is something that I try I, I try to do all the time on this show. It's talk you into bad decisions or bad takes, right? Uh, so that's kind of my role on the show. But no, I I totally think that's a fine prediction. I I expect the Broncos to win the game again. I'm just I don't trust them yet. I want to believe Sean Payton's going to come in. I want to believe Russell Wilson's going to look like Russell Wilson, and that. They're going to move the football and score points in ways we didn't see last year. I just have to see it first. And I think the the Raiders are a team that you should be able to move the football through the air against a little bit. Um, if you could block those guys up front and, and have a little success, but you know, a guy like Max Crosby, he's going to, he's going to keep you honest, right? He's going to keep your passing game honest. You're going to have to block him and, and you're going to have to be good up front. Uh, and Russell's going to have to be on it and you know, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see if it looks better, but Official predictions, John, you have the Broncos covering the spread. I think spread-wise, I would probably lean Raiders. I'm sorry. I just can't. No, I think that's fair. Yeah. I think it's totally fair what you're saying. We have no reason to trust them yet. I just think that they're going to be able to score more points under Peyton, and they're playing at home. But I totally get the reasoning of until we see it, you don't want to trust them until they give us a reason to. I yep. I totally get that. Could be a Will Lutz game winning field goal. That, that that could be it. Could be that kind of yep. game. I'll take it. Um, yeah, and, and we will take that. Uh, how about this, John? Are, are do you think there is like some overreaction to Russell Wilson and the team and how they looked in the preseason? Do you think there were you know some of the the gossip and takes out there were pretty strong that the Broncos still look bad? Do you think that was like overstated? Oh yeah, I think if people are saying that, I definitely think that's over overstated. I I think the thing is Wilson may never return to being like the MVP caliber quarterback that he once was in Seattle. He like at getting older in his career, he may never be that guy again. But I don't think last season is a reflection of, you know, this is what he's going to be for the rest of his career or maybe even a downward trip. I don't think so. I really think so many things went wrong last year not just with his injuries, but I think Nathaniel Hackett was incompetent. We, I mean, we don't have to go over that again, but could not just like, <laughs> not just being a bad head coach, but I don't think he tailored to Russell Wilson. Well, and I think Sean Payton is going to put him in positions of strength and minimize his weaknesses. And I think they're going to give him more freedom to run for whatever reason. I feel like Hackett, wanted Wilson to be more of a pocket quarterback. Maybe even Wilson thought he could be more of a pocket quarterback last year. And Hackett was like, yeah, go for it. But that's not his strength. So I think like we've said over and over, they're going to run the ball. I think they're going to do bootlegs. I think they're going to do rollouts. I think Wilson's going to be mobile and, you know, 
Greg Dulcich is going to be making plays over the middle. They are thin numbers at receiver, but Judy and Cortland Sutton are good receivers. And you've got two really good running backs and Javante Williams and P. Ryan. So even if Wilson is just a fine quarterback, with that supporting cast, he can be a successful quarterback. So I don't, by no means, do I think they're going to be a dumpster fire this season like they were last year. Yeah, you got to promise me, John. I agree. We should not be talking to Nathaniel Hackett, and you brought him up before <laughs> me, so I'm proud of myself. But week five, we get to we get to relive oh, yeah. some of the we'll, Nathaniel we'll Hackett. Yeah, I think week five we might have to relive some of that sound and uh, the bad goatee and all that. We'll we'll have to get back into that. But no, you're right. There's there's just no time to talk about Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, we're on to bigger and better things here with the Denver Broncos. So, all right, man, a couple of days away, we have a we have a football game to talk about, and we'll be back talking weekly uh, on the podcast about the Denver Broncos, John, season four. So excited, man. I appreciate being on here every week with you, and uh, here's to another one, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, Ryan. I'll talk to you again next week. Yep, 100%. We appreciate you all for joining us as always. Uh, for John Heath, I'm Ryan O'Leary. We'll catch you next week. Thank you.